2: $25 each. Visit livenationcom concertweek to buy now. That's Livenation.com concertweek to buy now.
1: Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.
3: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
2: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me
3: Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, You are here, and that makes this Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Shout out to everybody listening to today's episode on a smartphone or mobile device. In a way, this is very much for you. It's for everybody all the time, but this one's especially for you. Uh, One question I thought we could start with today, guys— what did you do on your phone today? Just however much you feel comfortable disclosing to millions of people
0: in podcast land. Too, too much. Too, too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's like the mission control center of my life. I do a lot of my work on my phone. I like enter data into Google Docs on my phone. I do research on my phone. I do social media on my phone. It's kind of embarrassing, honestly.
2: Well, it's yeah, it's interesting. So uh, I think... Well, I'm not sure for all of us, but I'm on a laptop and almost all of my work happens there. But if I ever have to leave my home office for any reason, that phone is just in my hand and it's doing all that same stuff. Or, of course, playing Call of Duty or Best Fiends.
3: (laughs) Right. There we go. Check that one off the box. Uh, We got in front of it this time. Awesome. Uh, So, uh... You know, that's a really great point because a peek behind the curtain, your individual mileage may vary, folks, but Matt, Noel, and I do a ton of stuff all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, before, I guess it's okay to say this publicly, before I've complained to you guys about it, uh, and I've said, you know, the fact that we're kind of always available makes us like very underpaid anesthesiologists. We're just sort of always on the clock.
2: You know ready what I to, mean? Ready to get someone prepared to fix a problem? God, Maybe I'm, not we're sure. I'm not sure. Surgeons, <laughs> firefighters. There you go. Surgeons. I think we're
0: surgeons. Yeah, we also refer to like problems in the podcast world as fire <laughs> drills quite often. So I think mm. we are sort of firefighters in our own ways. Nice. Right?
2: Nice. Mm-hmm. Fire surgeons. <laughs> there we go. Fire surgeons.
3: Rocket fighters. There we go. Put it on the t-shirts. <laughs> and uh so, personally, I did a lot of stuff on my phone today, and I did something that I don't usually do. Uh, well, I did this yesterday. I kept track of what I was doing. I didn't check every time I, I touched my phone, but I, I checked all the weird things I did. I bought stuff. I, I looked through social media and blah, 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 all, all the yada, yada, yadas. Uh, but one of the things I did today was post an informal question on Twitter. They asked, uh, has your phone or an app on your phone ever seemed to know too much about you? And if so, what freaked you out the most? Uh, you can find the responses there on App and Bull HSW. But for our purposes today, uh, one thing that most people talked about was, of course, targeted advertising. We see stories about someone saying, you know, I coughed around my phone, <clears throat> <clears throat> and then instantly when I pulled up Instagram or something, I was receiving sponsored ads for hauls. The, yeah. The, uh, yeah. And a lot of people were reporting like their microphones somehow seem to know stuff or uh, their conversations with someone even away from their devices somehow led to what they see as a targeted ad. There's a little bit of Bader-Meinhof in there for sure, but there are also a lot of shenanigans. But the thing is, there's a problem with this. We've talked about targeted ads before. Everyone knows they exist. These are the things you, your smartphones and your telecom and your ad industries want you to know about. They want you to see an ad for Halls or best fiends or whatever. Uh, but that That's because it's the stuff they want you to know that they know about you. But today's episode is different. Today's episode goes in a different direction. It is about the stuff they don't want you to know about you and your phone. Here are the facts.
0: So what, what, what is a smartphone? It's sort of like just a phone these days. But, you know, I know people that have decided to not go that route and still use a dumb phone. I guess nobody really calls them that. But they're basically phones that if they have internet connectivity, are rudimentary at best. Maybe they can send text messages, probably can't send pictures very well. Oftentimes when you're communicating on a smartphone with somebody with a dumb phone, things appear in blocks or weird ways or you have little message sent kind of things because these are much more old school communication tools. Yeah, they're phones. Their phones, yeah. First and foremost, <laughs> I remember I used to have a razor. You guys remember the Razer? Oh, I had one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, right, and that was that was like, oh god, it's a color screen, and it was like you know a tiny little color screen. Was looking back at now seems laughable, but a smartphone is is essentially a cell phone with a bevy of highly advanced features like what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh man, Matt, is that your oh, burner that this you was use my for your first, side hustle?
2: This was my first cell phone, you guys. Oh my god, it was a Motorola. It's a Kyocera. I don't even know that brand. Wow. QCP 3035. Oh, I have it was a, amazing. Does it have, have a snake a, on it still? <laughs> yeah.
3: I have a Nokia, but I just attached a chain to it and use it for personal defense because those things are <laughs> indestructible. Uh, but but you're, I, I love the point you're making, Noel, because it, it's like if you own a smartphone or if you buy an iPhone or an Android or something... Saying that you're going to call someone or knowing that you can use it to make phone calls is very much like a a lower priority feature now. You want it to be online, you want to have uh, uh, certain slick apps and so on. Well,
0: Yeah. And we recently talked about on a listener mail episode about, you know, robocall scams and things like that and how they're often targeted to older generations uh, because they're the ones that are still using phones to make calls or have landlines. You know, I haven't had a landline in. Probably 15 years, you know, um, and I very rare. I mean, I use my phone to make calls for work often because we do conference calls. But now all that's pivoted to, you know, Google Hangouts or, or Microsoft Teams or Zoom or what have you. So I very rarely use my phone to make calls. And oftentimes if I get a call uh, that from a number I don't recognize, I, I don't answer it. And if someone calls <laughs> right. me out of the blue, I low key resent them for it. <laughs>
2: you know Sorry. I mean? Sorry about that, Noel.
0: Uh, no, not I'm not you, Matt. I'm always happy to hear from either of you guys, but I'm just saying in general, an out of the blue call feels like why didn't we schedule this? You know, this should have been like on the books. You know, you can't just call me out of nowhere because it implies it requires an immediate reaction. Although there's also that kind of expectation with texting too. People text you aggressively because they want you to text back right away, and if you don't, it can kind of weird people out sometimes. But basically. We are in the world of smartphones. There's no putting that badger back in the bag or genie back in the jar or what have you. Um, Because people are using their phones for so many other things, uh, calling being absolutely secondary. And at this point, it really might as well be an extra feature. Um, But I guess it's bundled in because the telecom companies still want to have that infrastructure for making calls, right?
3: Yeah, and they want that uh, voice data. Right, so they can frank a bite you later. I said what I said, allegedly. all right, all right. Allegedly, sure. But the uh, the the one thing that's fascinating to me about this is how quickly this became normalized, especially in the West. I, I mean, I ha- if you ever want to have a fun uh, rabbit hole, try looking into all the. And if you're a, a hip hop head like I am, try looking into all the. Uh, old technological brags of hip-hop songs of yesteryear, you know, when, like, Jay-Z is is like, I'm too cold, Motorola, two-way pager. Like, that was fancy. That was a razor at the time. And now that stuff seems so antiquated because it evolves so quickly, but that's the the front-of-the-curtain evolution. The the behind-the-curtain stuff is much different and also evolving at a much faster pace.
2: Yeah, but it's it's harder to trace the stuff with a two-way pager. I'm just, you know...
3: That's true. That's true. That's why it's so cold. But (laughs) in a very short amount of time, as Drake would say, this stuff, the smartphone usage went from zero to 100. And as we record this episode right now, this is a statistic that baffled me. There are approximately 10 billion mobile devices in use. And yes, to confirm, that's more than the current human population of the planet. I checked just in case.
0: So wait, is that just for like People that have like two phones? Mm-hmm, phones—that's part and of sure. it. Sure, yeah. and why yeah. would you do that? That seems Mark very phones. suspicious. Oh, that's true. You might get issued one for work. That's the good point. Side a good side point. piece burners. Also They're true. everywhere. Also true.
3: I also think there may be more uh, than ten billion in use as we record this. Because one thing that uh, one thing I think a lot of people, especially in the U.S., don't know is that there are some phones that are designed to have two SIM cards in the phone so they can function like two different phones. I found out about it uh, when I saw some news in China, I can't remember which city, about uh, these guys who were cheating on their spouses. And then their their secret SIM cards got found. Tut-tut. That's like prison Uh, rules, man.
0: You know, like, like seriously, uh, it it also, you know, because of these smart devices, we hear a lot of other stories like that. Like I think, uh, you know, Gavin Rosdale from the band Bush, he used to be married to Gwen Stefani, you know, amazing solo artist, but also from the band, no doubt. And I believe that he got caught cheating because he had the family iPad synced with his personal device because with Apple you sync all your Apple products together and so it came up on the family iPad the like nudes that his mistress was sending him and so his wife found out possibly even his kids i, I can neither confirm nor deny that, that happened oh,
3: okay so prison rules you're talking about multiple sim cards not marriage I'm talking
0: about multiple <laughs> SIM cards, but okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. The way you know, we always hear about uh, SIM cards, remember that, that heroin smuggling cat? That cat also had uh, SIM cards in the little pouch around uh, uh, its neck.
2: It really feels like we need to consult Professor Wilson on this whole thing. I feel like he would know a lot about all of this.
3: Legend, legend, Professor Wilson. We started, uh, if you're listening, Doc, we started a little late today because we had to talk about the amazing emails this guy has been sending. Just check Professor Wilson on, on Twitter. I'm sure he'll show up and hope he's well. Uh, Professor Wilson probably has a cell phone uh, or a smartphone, excuse me, not a cellular phone. Uh, we wanted to gather some up to date statistics about just the lay of the digital land for smartphones. And we've got info from uh, as recent as we could get it. We've got a lot from 2020. There's some things where we had to go back to 2019, and there are a couple of little slips, but uh, some of this is going to be news to a lot of us just the enormity of what's going on with smartphones.
2: Yes, so we talked about the 10 billion devices that are being used. Well, as of this year, there are 3.5 billion humans, well, mostly humans, hopefully, uh, who are actually using these smartphones. And it's pretty crazy because in 2019, 81% of the United States residents, people living in the U.S., had a smartphone, and that is obviously a number that is going to continue to rise And here are some of the stats. 47% say they absolutely could not live without a smartphone. I certainly believe that, as I'm sure you do too. In comparison, 99.3% of all internet users in China use mobile devices to go online. So not a laptop. Not a laptop at all. When you think about 47% saying they couldn't live without one, I'm just going to assume that a good portion of that number has to do with people who just use their their smartphone to access the internet and things. Sure. In comparison sure. in China, it's like so many people are just using their mobile devices. It makes me ask just really quickly,
0: Matt, like what were we doing before smartphones? Clearly not living. You know, what was that like?
2: <laughs> we were blackberrying, we were, as Ben said, razoring, we were playing snake, um, texting each other, uh, forgetting we were actively forgetting all of the phone numbers that we had in our heads. Um, Game boys.
3: We're playing y- Game yeah. Boys, yeah. Nintendo DS. I guess is the is the uh, Homo sapien to that Neanderthal, but the um, yeah, I would say it's affected our cognition for sure. We're thinking less deeply about mm. things, uh, and now we're thinking about more things. You know, it, we we've said this before. We're thinking across the axis rather than up and down. So we know, like, we have like the first paragraph of Wikipedia knowledge about a shit ton of stuff. But we don't have as much depth of learning, right? Just this is not a ding on any individual. This is a purposeful,
2: brutal ding on our species. Because part of this where we would store all that stuff, it's now here in your hand. Oh, God, that, that was kind of weird. Here? It's not here. It's 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 on this. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Ooh, ooh. Refresh the tape for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been in the before
0: times, we even had like Kind of bar conversations about what happens to that part of our brain that used to store phone numbers. Does it evolve into something cooler, or do we just lose it? <laughs> and I don't know the answer to that. I, I tend towards we just lose it, or it just gets subsumed with more kind of useless, shallow dive facts that we can then spit out at parties. Mainly, I,
3: I would, which we and every every one of our colleagues are like the worst at parties. We're just, we're going to have to start a game called the actualies. Uh, I'm kidding. I, I do. I, I have put concerted efforts into uh, not, not being that person <laughs> at parties. But, but you're right. I would say if we wanted to be optimistic about it, perhaps we could say that that, uh, that skill of memorization, rather than being atrophied, has just been rechanneled because for a time we were memorizing many more passwords. Right uh, Which would uh, I think, occur in the same part of the brain uh, that retains phone numbers, but now, you know increasingly your phone or your device will recall passwords for you, or just say, "Hey, let me go, good look at your face." All right, Here's all your banking information. Uh, that's pretty common with, uh, with iPhones, especially. And we use them a lot. Uh, I'm still working this one out. And I wanted to see how you guys felt about this number. Uh, You, Matt, you know, everybody listening. So overall, it seems that the average smartphone user across the planet checks their device, whatever it is, at least 58 times per day. We also tend to vastly underestimate how often we check our phones, and there's... 58 is probably still a really low number because there's a study we're going to get to later in today's episode that found in the United Kingdom, people on average thought they checked their phone 37 times a day. That was their best guess when they asked all these people. But the actual number was much closer to 85 times a day. Does that sound reasonable to you guys or does that sound like off-base one way or no. the other?
2: No, that does not sound off-base. No, it tracks. Sure. Sure. If- If you, if you use an iOS device and you want to get insights into yourself and how you are your phone, um, open up the thing that's in your settings. It's very close to the top. That's called screen time. And you will see, I have, just so you know, I've disabled mine on my phone. I disabled it almost as soon as it became a feature, um, And I think you should, too, unless you are using it for a specific reason, like preventing children, your children from using your phone or preventing yourself even from using your phone at certain times or certain apps um, as a self-regulating technique, Um, because that thing alone, that little feature stores a ton of information about you As your phone
3: does it. So wait, though, but Matt, does disabling it prevent the device from collecting that information or just prevent it from displaying that information to you?
2: You can disable a lot of stuff in your iOS device that has to do with what we're going to talk about today. Um, And that is one of the one of the things that you can do.
0: It's also a, a good way to feel like an absolute technology junkie when it like serves you up with that information weekly, like there's a like automatically, I think by default it gives you reports like your screen time is up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm (laughs) certain that because of all this COVID business, people's screen times are way the hell up, you know? And then it becomes like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. I need to drink less. You know, it's bad for me. Um, How do I self-regulate? Like you say, and the fact that we even have to think about it like that sort of proves the whole idea that it is, hijacking our brains and making us crave that feedback that we get from checking the phone. What if there's a new thing? What if I get a notification? Oh, let me drag down and refresh my Facebook feed. Maybe there's a cool new thing that I must know about instantly.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And well put. So we, so we know that that number tracks, if anything, it's, it's probably going to be a little bit low for at least half of the, logically for about half the audience. Right. Uh, More than 60% of smartphone users have made a purchase of some sort on their device. Uh, Not to pick on Apple, but the way that they sandbox is purposely designed to make it easy, or they would say seamless, to buy things on the device. To the chagrin of, I imagine, many, many parents who later Mm -hmm. find out that their kid has bought yada, yada, yada. Uh, And
2: husbands. (laughs) <laughs> and spouses. Just kidding, just kidding.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so while we're on the subject of money, let's also point out in-app advertising is going to rise to $200 billion U.S. by just next year. In uh, four years after that, by 2025, this number is projected to grow, as long as we don't burn everything down, projected to <laughs> grow to around $226 billion. And, uh it's going to keep going we spend so much time staring at these little screens for one reason or another in fact uh smartphones are leaving smartphones as the doorway to the internet for a lot of people are leaving other media platforms in the dust 70% of all the media time like around ends up being spent on smartphones which is nuts it's not saying that people are you know necessarily listening to a ton less radio or something. There are just a ton more people with very easy access to stuff.
0: It's just all integrated. I mean I remember when the first iPhone came out how it seemed like magic you know everything from the touchscreen implementation to the way the keyboard was virtual and obviously it was clunky at first, but it seemed amazing at the time and just the idea that oh I can watch YouTube on my phone or I can it's literally like a handheld computer and it is uh, more so every single new generation because of the way that you know the way it, it uh, rose to prominence so quickly that's just how technology works now because of the speed of processors and the exponential Uh, improvement of technology and streamlining of technology not to mention that like you know all of this is built on the idea of stuff is free you know oh the apps are free you can buy an app stuff if you want to but you don't have to but it sure does make it a better experience if you buy those extra widgets or gems or power-ups or what have you or you pay for the premium version so you don't have to get served those ads all the time Freemium.
3: Yeah. I, I, that brings me to another question, only tangentially related. Uh, we all know a lot of early adopters, right? Uh, just the, the nature of our social networks and friendships. Are you guys people who buy the latest version of an iPhone? Like, are you, were you Twitter pated about the iPhone 12? Absolutely
2: not. <laughs> my My first
0: iPhone was a 4. I, I had an early one. I had, I think I had one of the real small ones, the original that were kind of beveled edges, you know, that was kind of shiny on the back. I had one of those. Um, and the thing about those is they just become bricks, man. Like it's probably, it probably in a drawer somewhere, you know, no idea because you know, they become useless, you know, because they basically – design the software so that they no longer work on the old phones. And obviously we, we understand all of that about planned obsolescence and that's mm. a whole another discussion, but no, I wait till it's affordable. I wait till it's like part of a deal to re up my plan or whatever. I'm never going to drop the full price on a new device. I, I'm not that guy.
3: I, I, uh, I gotta halfheartedly apologize I misled you guys just a bit. Part of the reason I'm specifically asking about the Apple iPhone 12 Pro is that I got a ton of questions in the, over the past few days, people asking whether I had done the VO for an Apple announcement, and we record so much stuff that, you know, it's easy for the three of us to not remember all the stuff we may have recorded. And uh, I went back and checked after like the fifth or 10th person reached out to me, and I've got what I've decided to call a voppelganger like v o plus doppelganger, that dude sounds like me i don't apple may have like done something like it's weird okay
2: tell it tell us how to find it. how do we find it?
3: yeah, you can check it out by going to uh youtube and search for apple event october thirteenth it's uh it's weird i i i don't Think there's anything nefarious? I think it's just that somewhere out there, I have a vocal twin.
0: Who are you, mysterious ganger? I got one of those too. Somebody sent me a—I th- don't even remember what it was, but it was some like ad or something, and maybe it was on one of the message boards or the the show pages for either this or ridiculous history. But I went back and listened to it, and it, it was—it was real. It was spot on. Like it—it it, <laughs> it freaked me out a little bit, you know. So I don't know what, what's the, what's at the play here.
3: You're next, bet. You're up next. But anyway, we digress. We're just confirming that we're not, we're not uh, secretly recording stuff and claiming we don't know what it is. With all this stuff in mind about smartphones and about how they have uh, entrenched themselves into society and culture, it shouldn't come as a surprise that millions upon millions of people somehow work in this industry Uh, The current guesses I found said that there are about 14 million jobs that are directly related to the mobile industry. But the number of associated jobs – has to be much, much higher, right? Think of marketing firms where there's one person who specializes in mobile uh, experience, right? Or, Or someone at a tech company who specializes in mobile UX. They're still associated.
2: There is a great deal of money. We already talked about it. There's more on the horizon. And make no mistake, if you own a smartphone or somebody who lives in close proximity to you, especially in your house... If they've got a smartphone, you are a piece of this ecosystem and equation. Uh, And and just get ready, because as we keep going in this episode, it's going to get weirder and scarier. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, And if
3: you're listening to this show, you know you're probably already very well aware of how this process works. You, like us, have seen the social dilemma, but more importantly, you've experienced it yourself. Your data on social apps, that's a revenue stream. And you don't get a piece of that pie. Your data from your telecom carrier, same thing. Your internet browser, every single app or virtually every single app on your phone, each of those aggregations of information are packaged up and they're sold to different places with varying levels of whoosh, whoosh, anonymity. And uh, you do not get a piece of that either, which I think is one of the main things one of the pettiest things we whinged about in the Big Data episode. So instead, we all stare into this digital abyss. And there's this dizzying, neurochemically manipulative ping of likes and follows, subscribes, notifications. They blow up our synapses like these gaudy lights of a casino slot machine. And that's that's where we're at. Like you said, Doles, this cause, this has caused some people to consciously limit their time or to maybe be more mindful of it, like get those focus apps and say, you know, hey, jabroni, get out of Instagram. You're you're here for your Outlook email or something like that.
0: Yeah, there's some apps that'll even block you from accessing certain other apps. It's like you literally have to like, it's like a digital chastity belt or something like that, you know, where you have to make sure that you won't be tempted by you know, the sweet, sweet evil fruit of digital connectivity. You know what I mean? Uh,
3: yeah. How is that different from medicine that is prescribed to address the side effects of another medication?
0: That's exactly No, it's, I think it's, uh, it's not different at all.
3: Uh, it's terrifying. But today's question, right, is this, how far does this data gathering go How will it affect you, your loved ones, your pocketbook, your region, and this species in the future? Why are more and more tech-savvy people becoming, just like in Social Dilemma, doomsday prophets telling us you are your phone? We'll tell you after a word, oddly enough, from our sponsor.
0: 25 dollars each.
2: Visit livenation.com/concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com/concertweek to buy
1: now. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen we are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yeah!
2: Thank
1: you.
0: Woo-hoo. Thank you, winners. How (gasps) lucky we were to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever
2: you get your podcasts.
4: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part time or full time. You name the position So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
3: Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, Hyperbole aside, they are saying it because they are absolutely correct. They've been trying to warn us about this for a while, but this goes... This goes back to one of my problems with social dilemma. I think we've talked about it, but maybe we haven't talked about it. While those uh, folks are providing valid, valuable insight, they're doing it after they made a fortune. And morally, I am conflicted with, uh, by you know, I, I don't know how to address the immense privilege of that, right? Like you feel bad after you got your dragon's hoard of gold and you sit on that hill and tell people, uh, about the dangers of the thing you created, but I don't see him giving the money away.
2: Yeah, but what would what would the money do? This is this is my only counterpoint. What what would? I mean, I guess if they were just trying to do good in the world and just be you know proactive about giving their money to some charity, right? But we know we know that doesn't always work. Just throwing money at a problem. I, I'm I, I'm not saying I'm completely on their side. I just know that. I know for a fact that the human beings, the very low number of human beings that were in the rooms that created the 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 pioneering apps and things that we use now ubiquitously, those people didn't fully understand what they were doing. And um, they knew they were trying to build something like uh like that was addictive to some extent, right? No, wasn't there guys, isn't there wasn't there a class or something that everybody took? There's like connective tissue between a lot of these things.
0: There is, and I, I would uh, I would need to double check what the name of the class was, but essentially it was a class that was offered at Stanford, and as we know Stanford is kind of like a feeder colony, I guess, for you know Silicon Valley startup culture, essentially. Um, and there was a particular class that everyone that ended up in high levels of this UX design for these types of apps all took. And it essentially had to do with harnessing psychology uh, and weaponizing it, essentially. I mean, this really wouldn't have said it like that at the time. But everyone kind of knew what they were doing, and they thought it very clever. Uh, and obviously it was. But in hindsight, a lot of these folks that that spoke to this in The Social Dilemma kind of make the argument of, oh, we didn't realize how far it would go, but we knew exactly what it was. So I I, I see your dilemma, Ben, that there is sort of like a you-can't-have-it-both-ways thing. One of the guys who's featured in The Social Dilemma, um, again sorry, guys, I'm being bad with names, but he's one of the main speakers, and he does a lot of TED Talk-type things about the evils of this technology and has a uh, essentially a program that's about – um. AI, uh, you know, basically kindness in AI or sort of like rethinking AI and rethinking these kinds of technologies. But you're right. Like, is he giving the money away? Like he made a mint, you know, being a part of this thing. But he was sort of the guy who flagged with Facebook early on. He, he probably is the one who has the best oh. argument
2: that's the Tristan guy, but it's spelled or it's pronounced differently. It's that's spelled right. Tristan, but that's it's right. Something but else.
0: He, I, he has the best argument of like being somewhat benevolent in this whole thing because he flagged it early at Facebook and essentially got shut down even after it made a bunch of noise. Uh, this idea that this was going to lead to something really bad, and then he got sort of shut down, and then he he left because yeah. he couldn't be a part of it anymore. So I kind of see him as being the kind of winner, uh, the guy that comes out looking a little bit more like he's practicing what he preaches in this documentary.
3: Yeah, understood. And thank you guys again. I don't know how to intellectually navigate it, but uh, the social dilemma is uh, worth watching. I My personal principle is I don't like to judge people Uh, too harshly when I'm seeing a curated version of them, like on a documentary or something. So uh, the social dilemma exists, though, tangentially related to this episode. To go back to the concept of what we're talking about today, you or your phone, as a concept, goes far, far beyond targeted advertising and psychologically manipulative UX design. Uh, way back in, as far back as 2015. And to be honest, before 2015, people were sounding the alarm. A few years back, there were a couple of startups in Silicon Valley that had a bright idea. They were lenders who wanted, they wanted to be disruptors in the financial market. And, you know, disruptors is one of those buzzwords that gets thrown around. Here's what they wanted to do. They said, why don't we base personal loan decisions on analyses of data that we get from people's phones. That means exactly what you think it means, folks, knowing how you use your phone on a granular level. It reveals a lot about you they wanted, you know, they were, uh, what's another buzzword? They were going blue sky, right? And they were saying, look, we want all the text, we want all the emails, the GPS coordinates, we want social media posts, we want all the receipts that are sent, you know, for like your Uber ride or your um, your purchase through an app. And we want to take all of that stuff and then build a collage about this person, build like a very accurate uh, a persona mm-hmm. and like a profile
0: the, for each exactly. user.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these patterns of behavior that by themselves are grains of sand and innocuous, together they can be fused to make this gigantic glass sculpture of you, which is a weirdly bad. Now, announce- okay, these aren't all going to work, but you see what I'm saying. And this behavior can correlate in their mind, with a person's likelihood to repay a loan or to default on a loan. And we've got, like, specific stuff they found. Like, it's even more obscure than this person, you know, goes to Applebee's at 530 every Thursday.
2: (laughs) Which would be a great indicator that you are just going to get the best loans. That
3: you are Uh, a paragon.
2: (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's it's things like... How often do you recharge your phone's battery? How many miles do you travel in a given day? Oh, here, here's my personal favorite one. Uh, and thank you for finding this, Ben. When you enter a new contact into your phone, do you take the time to put a last name in there? And are you capitalizing the first letter? Are you making it look like a true, good Rolodex within your phone? Because if you are... You, my friend, are worthy of the highest of credits.
0: Or do you just put Steve weed guy, you know, like yeah. w- w- these things matter. I mean, it's interesting because it's like it's not that far removed from the current credit rating system. I mean, it's all about mapping our decisions and, and penalizing us or re- rewarding us accordingly. I mean, it's like, do we sign, But they're do- all
2: they're all financially linked. Your credit is now linked to your financials.
0: I get it. But what I'm asking you is, do you opt in to being tracked by Experian? Do you (laughs) opt in to being tracked by all these credit reporting agencies? It just happens by virtue of you having a social security number. And, And I mean, you don't when you get that social security number, you're an infant. You don't have the ability to say, I don't want that. Get me off the grid. You know, so you are basically by default part of this system. So we're already kind of in this. This is just an escalation of it or like almost more something like approaching Sesame credit, which we've talked about. in the way that uh, in in China, I believe, they they use social media statuses to track you and to prove you for entrance and exit and premium flights and all the kind of black mirror stuff, you know. So wait, Mission Control, give me a record scratch. (laughs) Rewind.
3: Does this mean, some of us are asking, that always having your phone around like 14% charge or something means you'll be considered a risky person loan-wise? The answer is, yeah, well, something like that is in the cards. Well, let me
2: plug this in then.
3: (laughs) Right. The only real question in the conspiracy here is how much data – They can get this is their conspiracy, these kinds of entities and how much they have to disclose about their analytical methods, their proprietary algorithms. It is safe to say, and this is an assumption, but it's safe to say, number one, they want all of the data. Picture some version of that Gary Oldman uh, meme or GIF where he's screaming everything. Uh, And two, they want none of the oversight. Why would you? This, this, as a business, it loses its edge if other people can do the same thing. So wait, you might be saying, wait, 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 guys, guys, guys. I'm a longtime listener, conspiracy realist. I don't have a bunch of garbage apps on my phone, okay? And you know, heck, now that I know this might affect my financial future, I'm just going to stick to text... I'm just going to stick to calls because if I don't generate a bunch of information, then these people will have nothing to use against me. And to that, we can only respond,
0: well. Don't be so sure. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. A study published in Science… That's right. Science, found, science published, found, found the metadata alone uh, of this information, you know, in the same way that we know the NSA was tracking, getting really good info using only metadata. They didn't have to monitor your call. They could just tell things by the length of the call and analyze that web of who you're calling and who those people are calling, etc. And then just tracking all of that, they can get a pretty decent picture Just based on that alone and this study pointed out that uh, this information actually can reveal interesting economic uh, status type information. Just things like when the calls were made, uh, the the length of the calls, um, when they were received, uh, when text messages were sent and which cell phone towers the texts or calls were pinging off of. And the researchers analyzed, again, just the metadata that we just described, and were able to build a one of those profiles that we're talking about, or take it a step further, an algorithm that could predict behavior and, and could correlate that with wealth or lack thereof of a given phone user. And it gets even crazier, even more granular. This is
3: I don't know, whenever we talk about this stuff, I'm always torn between being like, that's amazing and objectively fascinating and impressive and going, that's terrifying and objectively frightening because they're able to, uh these scientists were able to answer even more specific questions. Again, just based on that very bare bones data, they were able to say, this house obviously doesn't have electricity. And therefore, if they, you know, Can't pay their electric bill. How does that work out for their loans?
2: Oh, because it wasn't being charged while it was being geolocated there. Wow. Okay.
0: But is, is this somewhere in the terms of service? Like at some point you have to sort of give consent for this information to be used in these ways, right? Or no? Is it just by virtue of having the device? Like at what point, at what line of text in these massive terms of service is that is it per app is it for the whole phone at large it's tricky
2: yeah here's here's my mission for you Noel. find that piece of text i dare you
0: 100% i mean i'm I basically speaking find- <laughs> i'm speaking not hypothetically but it's 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 of course a uh, a needle in a haystack situation if it even exists
3: <laughs> it does. It does exist. Uh, one of my one of my old colleagues actually was I mentioned this person on air before, but I'll try to keep it kind of anonymous. Uh, they were having some pretty good success making uh, readable terms of service and conditions, uh, and then they got their funding pooled because there is no benefit to many of these entities for uh, the end user to understand those TOS uh, documents. And usually the line will be something like, I'm not citing a specific example here, but uh, the line will be something like, by agreeing to this service, the customer, the user uh, also agrees that the provider can use uh, data collected and provide to third parties as necessary to improve service. And so they're like, third parties is a huge chasm of a term, and so is improve service, right? They're saying, we're improving your service. If they can find any kind of rationalization for that, then they can do whatever they want, especially because the other thing that always goes with it, just like as Forrest Gump would say, peas and carrots, is uh, is that lovely little line, the terms of service can change at any time.
0: And
2: they do. They get updated pretty frequently.
0: But doesn't that mean you have to, like, do they serve it to you again? I don't recall having been reserved oh. terms of service to, to to agree again when things have been significantly changed. Sometimes
3: I'll have to say there's a privacy announcement or something, but you, you don't have to sign anything. They're just telling you what's happening.
2: Yeah, well, and sometimes you'll notice, not necessarily with iOS, but with other devices and other apps and things like that, with an update, you'll just have to click I agree again, and oh, you won't fair. even realize that you're doing it. I'm serious. You're opening a new app that's just being updated, and you're like, oh, let me get past this. You don't even realize it. I've done it so many times in my life. It's insane. It's
3: so ridiculous, and I, I love the, the slick psychological UX design where it's um, clicking a button uh, that's set, like the, the yes button is disguised as something like uh, okay or thank you. Uh, continue. Continue. And then, yeah, yeah. And the no button is nested several different interactions down. It's like under a learn more, under a learn more, under a learn more.
2: Or you just can't, you can't move forward if you say no. And then you you're like, also, okay, we can't you, use it.
0: You will occasionally see and this is rarer and rarer. I think ones where they will actually force you to at the very least scroll all the way to the bottom. Right. The implication being, okay, I, I blasted through this. I, I, I all of the text was in front of my eyeballs at some point, and that's obviously maybe to provide more protection for the for the developer, you know, for the company. Um, but it doesn't seem like a necessity. It seems like something their legal was like, we should probably do this just to like cover our asses a little more in the most token effort possible. 100%. Uh,
3: and so here we have proven that it doesn't take a bunch of data, right? So as for the strategy of using a phone less and less, right, or disclosing less and less info uh, to later be used against you or to just be used in some way with your informed consent, which we just talked about how tricky that is, um, as for that strategy, we're going to have to return to the study we mentioned at the top of the show. And we'll do
0: this after a word from our sponsor. $25 each.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com
0: slash Concert Week to buy now. The 2024 presidential
2: campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters— I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
1: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen
2: how lucky we were to have you guys
0: this has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 new episode out now you can listen wherever you get your podcasts Snag a
4: Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand tempt to hire part-time or full-time you name the position So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
3: So we're back. Here's the study we mentioned about how often you touch your phone or interact with it. There were four researchers based in the United Kingdom. They installed a usage tracking app consensually on the smartphones of 23 students and faculty at the University of Lincoln. They let it run for two weeks, and then they examined the results. And there's an excellent uh, summarization of this by an author named Nicholas Carr.
2: They realized that just by measuring one simple thing, they could tell a whole host of information, a whole bunch of things about a person's daily routine. And all that is, is when an individual is using their phone. That's really all you have to measure. And you can see almost the whole picture. When
3: are you asleep? Phone usage will tell you. When do you wake up? It turns out that all of these test subjects, except one, use their phone as an alarm clock. And 100% of them said the last thing they do before they go to sleep is check their phone. As for gaps in phone usage during the day, pretty good indicator of a nap, it turns out.
0: (laughs) How crazy (laughs) is that? nap? I can't, I don't know how to nap. I'm really bad at napping. Do you guys know how to nap?
2: Oh, well, we need to ask everybody out in the UK. Like, is it easier to nap there or what what's the deal?
3: Is it the <laughs> gloomy weather that helps? Oh, mm. I could
0: do it. I could do it. I, I uh
3: I I actually have the opposite problem. No, I, I can't sleep for uh, like 6 hours in a stretch. So I just kind of oof, the pandemic has made it real weird too, you know. Just uh, grab
0: grab it where you can, a few winks here and there as they mm-hmm. say. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And, And
3: why does this, not sleep patterns, but why does this matter that so much can be gleaned from this innocuous information? Well, it's because both of those studies depend entirely on this very basic info. And that means that there's an entire new universe out there. When we look at the other stuff, the other data that can be pulled, we get to the world of apps, how we use them, when we use them, when, for instance, do you tend to order delivery food or when do you when do you search? What do you search for? What do we watch? What do we listen to? When do we do that? Uh, what, What kind of pictures do we post on social media and what kind of pictures do we like? Even if those are private to you, they are not private to the companies that have the ability to wield this information. We're building these sculptures of ourselves, and most of the time we don't know how sophisticated they
0: are. Well, and I, I I don't know if we've ever gotten fully to the bottom of this, but I think we've all had that experience where we had some little throwaway conversation about a thing, a topic, a movie, a record, what have you. And then all of a sudden you're getting served up ads for that thing. And in your mind, it could only be based on the this notion that your phone is listening to you. And I, I think we we did cover something along these lines where, you know, the microphone is on. And transmitting, uh, or, what, or what? I don't know. Well, like-
2: especially if you're using on an iOS device, Siri, or on any other device, your what is the what is the term for that? The concierge or your assistant, whatever personal the assistant, yeah. whatever the personal assistant is, it is always listening. There is a Google Home, it, like on the other side of this wall. I'm pointing directly ahead of me for everyone listening, and I realized that while I'm in my office with the door closed, on the other side of that wall, it can hear me. So I've, I'm just now, th- I'm having this realization in real time. Every time we podcast, my Google Home is listening to everything I'm saying. Hey, Google. No, oh, wait, no, oh, no. Oh, well, yeah, okay, Google. I have headphones on. Had on. <laughs> but that, I
0: had to try. Yeah, God, but everyone is, at homes, Google Homes, just <laughs> went bonkers just now.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Um, I don't even know where we were. That that really just weirded me out. I'm gonna have to disable that thing somehow. Here's
3: a here's a um i ge- I'm not being sarcastic. Here's a genuinely fun thing I've been doing. An experiment that you can try at home, folks. Uh when I was convinced about this, and that was several years ago, based on you know our collective work here on stuff they want you to know. I decided a while back that I was going to try to hack my targeted ads if I couldn't get away from them because you can't – it's very difficult to 100% eliminate this phenomenon. So I said, okay, well, maybe I'll just try to make the digital – autobiography of me into a very, like, elitist, wealthy person. I think we mentioned this earlier, right? When I started, like, just searching for yes. fancy watches. Yachts, and, like, right? And yeah, yachts, yes, yeah. and yachts. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I've, I've actually had some good results. well just you
0: know. exclusively listening to Steely Dan, you know, and just <laughs> right. really putting out that vibe into the universe, you know, that you are a yachtsman. Yeah, uh,
3: searching searching for stuff like dangers of peasant uprising and <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and uh, order endangered meat. You know all all the hits. Best
2: uh, fox hunting dogs.
3: Best fox. Oh, that's a good one. Hang on, I'm gonna make a note. But but you're right. I mean, we we're. We're right here. The companies that are seeking to use this data are going to make big, life-changing decisions based on their perceived, their self-perceived ability to predict what they see as your future actions. This could be one of the most amazing, noble, beautiful things in the story of human technology. Because think about it. This would mean... That it is possible for the groups that are aggregating the information like this to step in and, say, provide preventative financial or mental health counseling if their algorithm indicates that someone's going to be in trouble down the road. They could save people in a very real way.
2: Oh, yeah, and and that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, well. Mm You
0: think? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Are we relying on, like, Benevolence on the part of these technology companies.
2: Well, I mean, maybe we're seeing a turn, guys. Maybe this is this is like our bright future. Maybe we're gonna be okay.
3: Yeah, maybe they'll all be like uh, Bill Murray's character at the end of Scrooged. I don't know, but it's. I, I, You can tell we're a lot of fun at parties, folks, because that's not going to happen. That's not what's happening now. There's just more money to be made in creating these extremely educated guesses about your future and then punishing you for those guesses. Again, they are guesses in advance. To paraphrase Minority Report, this is sort of like financial pre-crime. and I like the point you made uh, earlier about uh, how nobody really opts in to credit bureaus in the U.S., at least. Uh, and it's it's the same thing. But to be fair, it would be misleading for us to talk about these inarguably terrible consequences inherent in this strategy if we didn't also point out the arguments made by the proponents and these Arguments are are pretty valid if theoretical. This is the sort of the other side of
0: the money grab. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is, of course, this notion that this is exactly what we want. This is exactly what we need. We deserve this. This is <laughs> giving us better results. It's allowing us to be served better information, less redundant, you know. First off, as as uh, is discussed in uh, Behavior Revealed in Mobile Phone Usage Predicts Credit Repayment by Daniel Bjorkegren uh, and Daryl Grisson, many households in the developing world do not have Have formal financial history period no established credit meaning the odds are massively stacked against them when it comes time to ask for a loan so outside of what i just said initially um, the idea of serving us better results this is a very very important and potentially positive thing i know plenty of people that just decided they were too freaked out to ever get a credit card and now they're 36 37 years old and have zero credit where do you go from there
2: well thankfully you've You've got your mobile phone and you're doing all your stuff on it. And these companies now have an opportunity to look at that data and maybe just maybe by using it, they're going to be able to extend credit to you uh, or to any, you know, to anyone on the, what would be considered the fringes of the financial world, people that don't have that established credit. And with that data, it's giving them an inside in to essentially predict what your credit will look like, what your financial history will be like. Oh, that is mm-hmm. so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a po- that's a positive, right? Somebody who needs a loan or needs to establish credit but hasn't yet, would, this could be a way in.
3: Right. And their method actually is better than uh, the traditional methods using credit bureau information.
0: But wouldn't you think you would have to be like, okay, I'm on board. Here's my stuff. Take a look. Make an assessment. In the same way you'd submit documents for a credit check or, or whatever for like getting a mortgage, like it, they already have it. Like, that's my question. I mean, I guess the answer is yes. I, just, I would just want to know that I could sort of turn the switch on and off and be like, okay, I need you to use this information here. I, I consent for you to use my data in this way. But that's blue sky. I mean, that's, I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's tough, and it's, it's, uh, it's hidden in Byzantine fine print pretty often. And when we're talking about this approach, or at least this specific study, they're talking about the developing world, and it is valid. It could be huge uh, because this would open, possibly, open the doors of financial opportunity for people that the industry calls unbanked which I think is a dehumanizing term. It basically means people who don't have that financial history. They don't have mortgages, credit cards, uh, checking accounts, etc., etc. They probably use their mobile phone or use an entirely online banking system or transactional app to trade stuff. So this could help those people, of course, if the models are accurate, which they seem to be, and if they are used in an ethical way. Ha ha. (laughs)
2: Are these anymore? <laughs> yes, um, yes. So. It, it, it,
0: it, it's it's not too too. I mean, it's sort of an an escalation and a different uh, you know step in this process. But it's like Venmo gave people that didn't have a bank account the ability to digitally send and receive funds, and that's a big deal for a lot of people too. So I mean, I, I can I can see the potential positive side of this.
2: Yeah, but they had to have bank accounts or some not kind of Venmo. money. Do you don't have some kind of money. Oh well okay. So you have to have a PayPal account.
0: That's I don't think they even have to anymore. You can have you can get a Venmo debit card where independent of any bank. You can link a bank account to Venmo, but Venmo money can go into a Venmo debit card. Um and then there's even stuff for like kids. Like my daughter has this thing called Greenlight that's a debit card for kids and she doesn't she's not old enough to have a bank account. So it's you know there are things that again in this financial side of things could be seen as like, you know, forward thinking and and positive because if you're not if if you don't have access to funds online, you are cut out of a whole lot of the economy, you know, because especially being stuck at home like we have been for so long, I mean, well, if you don't want to go to the store, because you're immunocompromised, you need to be able to buy your groceries using, you know, one of these uh, apps, and you need to be able to pay for it somehow.
3: Yeah, and I think this really comes into play in, again, in the developing world. You live in a region with no infrastructure, you know what I mean? There's, There's literally not an ATM. In 80 miles of you, or something like that, uh, or uh, kilometers. Your results may vary. So this this stuff we can agree can be tremendously helpful. But what we're talking about is the next step in that process: using that information for or against someone. And there are people who are trying to make a more nuanced approach. People like. Elaine Shima, who's been working on limited applications of this strategy, trying to build some fences around what can and can't be used. Uh, Just last year, he wrote something called effective credit scoring using limited mobile phone data. And he says, look, there are tons of potential privacy risk in these companies knowing everything about you, especially if you don't have, again, a real kind of informed consent. So he says we can get the same results with a more ethical approach. And all that he did was measure what's called airtime recharge data or data, whatever you want to refer to it as. Uh this is this is a term that describes when people paid or re-up on their prepaid mobile phones. Right. So you know I've I've prepaid for like a month or whatever or X amount of hours and then I come back and I re-up at this given schedule. Just using that, they can build a, a similar credit prediction plan.
0: But isn't the whole point of a prepaid phone that you have anonymity and and that you you aren't your name or identity isn't tied to it. I guess that's not the same as a burner phone. You could have like a prepaid service where you use the same phone and then re-up it. But uh, there's two completely different things or am I? No, like, no. Uh,
2: uh, there are a lot of people in the world who have a, a phone that they just pay for the the amount of data rather than, you know, a monthly charge or anything like that. But there's also ones where you can just buy a card, pay
0: for it at the gas station, and then just enter the code. And then you don't have any identity information tied to it. That's all i Yes, yeah, sim-
3: similar technology, two different uses. You know got what it, I mean? Got it. Uh, and for a lot of people, the entry point into uh, buying a full phone and then subscribing to a yearly plan is is just too high. It's just unrealistic. So mobile phones have, I would, prepaid mobile phones. I would say have to a degree greatly democratized access to information. But again, none of this stuff is uh, without potential for misuse. And then here, here's here's the third thing. So the third argument for it is lending institutions are capitalistic. They don't get to continue existing. If every loan they make results in defaulting, then they're in deep water. So we can't expect them not to use every single lever available to maximize their profits while minimizing their risk and to be extremely blunt, we cannot expect these institutions to adhere to codes of ethics unless those things are continually enforced with serious consequences. Crime and, and fines for crime have, since we began this show, uh, been just a cost of doing business for most
2: banks. Yeah. I, I think we've proven that countless times on, on, just on this show. And, uh, you know, history and articles and reality have further proven it way more than that. Uh,
3: and so, you know, that that, that kind of uh, resigned, resigned groan means that we're close to the end of the show. There are some other things we've yet to talk about that can also leverage this technology. The medical industry using similar methods to predict future or present medical conditions. The law enforcement industry expanding its existing use of these tactics to predict crime. Other rogue entities, if we want to get really crazy, from foreign powers, whatever your country is, somebody from another country using those tactics to, say, identify, target, and turn assets. Uh, The dark sky is really the limit here. We're way past the blue version. And it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not some scary future thing. It is a conspiracy. It's real. It's happening And uh, a lot of people are just not aware that their data is being used in this way or will be used in this way
0: very soon. Yeah. So, what, what do you think? I mean, is this something that keeps you up nights? Are you like many folks, or you're, you know, we've done the research. We know this stuff has nefarious uh, kind of implications, but it's like a trade off. But I get my cool free apps and I get all this other stuff, and it's worth it to me to do that trade off. Is that, I'm saying, speaking the royal we hypothetically, do you feel like that? Or do you feel like you need to limit your use of this stuff and get as off the grid as humanly possible in this day and age? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Let us know what you think.
2: Yeah, and especially contact us if you have any good ways to subvert some of the plans that are at work here. Um we're we're particularly interested in those. You know, any anything we've discussed it before, anything from a VPN. To you know your your actual settings on your device. Like, what are some things that you do to protect yourself, and what can help out your fellow listeners by letting them know about it? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> oh God, wait, what are we doing again? Instagram. Uh, uh, we're we're on. Tumblr, and what else? Bumble. Instance, Tender. And, you can yeah. find us. Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: we're on Kiva uh, microloans. We're on YouTube. It's
2: all social media. It's all coming together. <laughs> it's all one. We are one. This Castile soap. Wait, what? No. I thought you were going to say we
3: are one 833 <laughs> S T D W Y T K. We are definitely
0: true. that one for sure. Uh, honestly, that's probably the uh, the the least connected way you can get in touch with us. Where you can just send us that, send us your voice in electronic form, and uh, let us know if you want to be anonymized or don't want us to use it, or if you want us to refer to you as something else or what have you. Well, we will abide by those things because we are not cold, uncaring algorithms. We are in fact human people. Uh, we see true. you as such.
2: It's true, but we just found out that these guys are trying to take our voices, right? I mean, what's going on, guys?
3: Voppel, voppelgangers. Yeah. We've
2: we've gone too far.
3: Oh no! And.
2: <laughs> and These if uh, are, sorry.
3: Be afraid, be very afraid I mean, you know uh, Like Noel said, uh, he, he A matter humans, just like anybody else uh, And oh, we ben all Peshaw. really want to hear what? from you <laughs> So uh, feel free to send us an email If you don't care for social media Or telephones You can reach us uh, 24-7 Until this whole thing burns down
2: We are Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Attention, true crime enthusiast, Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look
0: no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief.